continue on with uh, our study in the Word. And hopefully my PowerPoint will work down here this time. It looks like it's going to. Uh, well, Psalm 107 is going to be the main part of Scripture this, this morning. And uh, I, I don't know about y'all, but I'm, I'm kind of I'm excited about God's faithfulness, right? Even in the times of uh, heartache or frustration or hardship that we often go through in life, it seems like it's, you can never deny God's faithfulness if you're being honest with yourself, if you're being honest with others. There's, there's nobody going to stand before God and say that he wasn't faithful to them. Will you all agree with that? Amen. All right. Okay, can't, you can't catch the virus by saying amen, so just keep that in mind. <laughs> so just join in right when you feel like it's necessary. <laughs> so uh, how many of y'all know that uh, those who believe that Jesus is the Christ and have submitted themselves to Jesus, repented of their sins, and been baptized for the forgiveness of sins are called Christians? Right? I think that's pretty common for most believers. It's pretty common for even people who aren't believers but have heard the word from time to time, maybe uh, from their family members or somebody else in the world. It's pretty common, but what, it, what does it mean to be a Christian? What is that about? The simplest way to explain what it means to be a Christian is to be like Christ. Y'all agree with that? So the problem there in that statement to be like Christ is if, first off, if we have to know what Christ was like, is like, and second off, we have to say to ourselves, well, how do I do that? And, wow, how can, how can I be like Jesus? We're talking about Jesus, but, you know, it's like, who can be like Jesus? I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Even if we tried as hard as we could, we, we couldn't do it on our own. So we praise God that he's given us the Holy Spirit, which leads us and guides us to be like him, right? More and more every day. And when we fail, we depend on God's grace to repent again and continue on, trying to be more like Christ. To what end? What purpose? So that others will know Jesus the way we do. Isn't that what it's about, right? And sometimes, you know, sometimes we sit at our desk us preachers, and we go through this Bible, and this particular Bible right here is not very thick, right? Some, some preachers carry around this big, thick Bible because I don't know why. <laughs> but I carry this one around because it's the one I had when I got saved, right? And I'm, trying, I'm, I'm taping it together because I don't want to put it down yet, right? The, the problem is it's like you get pages and pages and pages of truth to figure out what to say on Sunday morning, Right? So we thank the Lord for his guidance again and his faithfulness again. He's always faithful if we just turn to him. That's what we're going to talk about today. While you're holding your place in Psalm 107, I want to go to Matthew chapter 9 in verse uh, 35, and I want to read something that hopefully we're all familiar with. Jesus had been teaching about the kingdom of God, what we know as the Sermon on the Mount talking about this is what the kingdom of God is like. It wasn't too long ago we went through some of this together. Verse 35 of chapter 9 says, oh, let me, let me put it up there for you. 
It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said in verse 37, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So if we're going to be those of us who call ourselves Christians, those of us who believe that we are Christians and are genuinely pursuing a life that looks like Christ, then we have to look at things like this right here. We have to look at what Jesus actually did, right? Because the commission is, the mission that we've been assigned to is to go into the world and make disciples. It's pretty common knowledge. However, it seems like we neglect that a lot. We as a whole, the whole body of Christ. We, we get so busy with life that we're not focused on the mission of making disciples. Here, it says Jesus went all throughout the towns and villages. He went out. He went into the world. And it says he was teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news of the kingdom. He went out into the world and he told people about Jesus, the kingdom of God, about himself. He was teaching about the truth. He was, he was doing the very thing that he sent us to do. Isn't it great that we have a God that will not command us to do something he hasn't already done first? Isn't it, that's good leadership, if you ask me. <laughs> right? So it's kind of like, then he said, look what else he did. It says, he was healing every disease and sickness. All right, I'm, I'm trying to get to the point so we can get on to Psalm 10, uh, uh, 107. So now we're like putting on the brakes in our minds, right, as believers. Because we're trying to be like Christ. We're trying to do what Jesus did. We're going into the world and we're telling people about the kingdom of God so that they'll know Jesus. But here it says he was healing their, it says, it says he was healing every disease and sickness. Now we got some, a little bit of a dilemma in our hearts and in our minds, don't we? It's not that we don't want to do that. I don't believe it's that we don't really know how to do that. We don't really know if we can, can do that because we're not Jesus. And Jesus walking around, God in the flesh walking around, he just speak to people and things change. He doesn't even have to be near people and they get healed. We don't, we don't have, we're not that. That's not who we are. However, we have the Spirit of God. The believer has the Spirit of God in us, in, living in us, and with the same power and authority that Jesus was walking around the planet with. So what does that mean? It must mean, in some way, form, or fashion, that the, the body of Christ, the Christian, should be able to do these things in some way. Wouldn't you agree with that? All right. So verse 36 says this, because we're not done with what, what Jesus did. Verse 36 says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. Question, when you see the crowds today around your life, do you have compassion? Do you realize that they're harassed and helpless? If we don't realize that, if we don't have compassion, if we're not looking at the crowds at all, 
then we're failing as being as a Christian, being, trying to be like Christ. We're not even trying. I praise God that somebody looked at the crowd that I was in and had compassion on me enough to tell me about Jesus when I was harassed and helpless and sick and needed healing. Therefore, that's why I'm saved. Isn't that great? All right, so, so we're going to try to be like Jesus, so how do we do it? How can we do the things that we're reading about right here in Matthew chapter 9? How do we do it? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's turn to 107, Psalm 107, and let's take a look. All right? Psalm 107 is what I would call, I'm just going to call it the Harvest Workers Handbook. Because Jesus told us that the harvest is plentiful, meaning there is, what is the harvest? For God. The people's soul. People who are lost. He, he wants us to go and, and, and bring them in. Bring them into the fellowship of God through the blood of Christ and the grace that's extended through that. That's the harvest. And he says what? The workers are few. Now, I don't know about you, but... I've done a lot of jobs in my life, and I've had some jobs where it was just horrible if people didn't show up to work because your workload was not only doubled but, like, tripled sometimes just by one person not showing up. Sometimes we couldn't even get the job done because the one person that showed up is the key person to get the job done. Nobody was, nobody was trained to do what that, whatever that person was trained to do, and we couldn't even get the job done. Well, well, here Jesus is saying the work is there to do, and there's plenty of it, Get out there and do it. And I'm just going to assume that he meant even if no one else is doing it. You need to just go out there and do it. Go out there and, and harvest as much as you can harvest. Now, I, my, One of my first jobs was baling hay out of the fields. A second of my first few jobs was in Indiana, they take the tassels off of the corn at a certain time. When the corn got higher than your head and you're looking up in the sun the whole day and you're walking every row and you're pulling tassels off, that was a hard job, too. But I didn't even know what a tassel was. My dad just came over and said, hey, you're going to go take tassel. You're going to detassel corn. And they put you on a bus, a bunch of kids, and we'd run out there to the fields, and we'd spend all day just walking the road. And we were praying that there was water in the top of them corn stalks that would fall on our face and cool us off all day. That, did, that job didn't last long for me, by the way. I was young. I was young and not aware back then. However, somebody had to show me how to do that job. Somebody had to show me how to stack hay, uh, bales of hay on, on a cart. Somebody had to show me, every job I've ever had, somebody had to show me how to do it. Otherwise, I would, I would just be standing out in the middle of the field, just standing there. I remember one job I had a guy, I didn't know, how, I didn't know anything about uh, carpentry or, or woodworking or anything like that. We were building houses, but he took a job, the, 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 the guy that owned the, the, house, the construction company, he took a job for another business staining all their wood doors in their, in their building. Well, I didn't know, I never stained anything. And he dropped me off, the guy, he said, go over there and there's some stain right there and put it on that door. I stood there the whole day. He come back and there was nothing done because I'm like, I don't know what to do. He didn't show me what to do. So I just stood there the whole day, didn't do nothing, because I was afraid to mess it up, for one thing, and I didn't know what to do. It was so, it was so much anxiety that day, because I thought he was going to fire me, but he didn't show me what to do, so I couldn't do the job. 
Well, Jesus says to go and, go, and, go and harvest. Go and do this. So how do we do it? How do we know what to do? How do we know what to harvest and what not to harvest? How do we see what there is to do? Well, we have to look. Let's look in uh, uh, Psalm 107. We're not going to read through the whole thing, I hope. <laughs> that means I don't know yet. We're not going to read through the whole thing. We're going to break it into sections, all right? Because here's what we need to know is not only do people need to go to church, yeah. Do people need to know Jesus? Yeah. Do they need to repent? Yes. Do they need to be saved? Yes. The thing that most Christians overlook most of the time is why all of that is true. Right? We know what we've been saved from. We know where we were before we committed our life to Christ and repented of being an offender of God. But we're not looking at the world at the trouble that they're in. We're not looking at the world as people who are being harassed and, and people who are helpless because they're lost in their sin or they're trapped in some kind of a, a, an addiction and, or, or, or they're sick, physically sick due to whatever's uh, wrong in their hearts. Or maybe they're overwhelmed by the storms and they're rejecting God. We're not looking at what the problems are so that we can go actually go and genuinely harvest the souls running out into the field and just saying to the to the harvest to the wheat uh, get in the back of the tractor it's not going to work it's like walking in there and telling corn you need to be picked <laughs> no that's what i mean that's what we do if we tell if we just go tell people you need to be in church that's what we're doing we're walking out into the field and we're telling tomatoes jump in the basket we need, to go, we need to go and see people and get involved with the people that we live around and find out where they are in life. We need to notice the crowds and then have compassion. Because that's the way Jesus did it. So look at verses 4 through 9. We're going to break down. There, there's four categories that Psalm 107 is going to show us. Four categories of where people might be who are not repentant of sin, who are not what we would say saved by the blood of Christ because they've never said yes to Jesus. However, it doesn't mean that you and I from time to time might not find ourselves in one of these places. Just be aware of that. So here's the first one. There's wanderers, right? Verse 4 says, Some wandered in the deserts, white land, uh, desert wastelands, finding no way to, to, to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives uh, ebbed away. These people are kinds of people that are searching for something to fulfill their life. They're searching for uh, anything and everything to give themselves meaning except for God. They're searching for, for anything in the world that can fill the hole, but they're not looking at God. So they're just wandering, lost, without Christ. Some people are there. Some of the people that you know today, that's where they are. And if we just go to them and say, you need to go to church, we're not helping them. If we share life with them and we talk to them and, and see what they think and how they think and why they think the way they think, we might find we have a lot in common with them. Because I think all of us from time to time have been wanderers. Right? Look at verse 10. There's, there's some of those who are prisoners. Says some, verse 10 says, some sat in, in darkness and the deepest gloom, prisoners suffering in iron chains. 
for they had rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled and there was, uh, there was no one to help. These are the people who are captive to whatever it is they said yes to that is now their master. Sometimes it's drugs or alcohol that's master over their life. And they're living in, in this prison of addiction. Right? Sometimes it's just a workaholic. He's living, he or she is living in a prison of addiction to we, being busy all the time. And trying to solve whatever problems in life by something other than God. Our sin, if we choose to live in it, becomes a prison for us. And that's what verses 10 and 11 uh, and 12 are describing. Then you look at verse 17. All right. Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near to the gates of death. Again, people sometimes, not every person who is physically ill is physically ill because of sin. However, it is not out of the realm of possibility that sometimes we get sick physically because of the sin in our life. Right? When we do things that don't honor God, we begin to live in a world of stress and anxiety, so much so that we become sick. We have ulcers. Maybe the activities that we're participating in are bad for us. And they cause different types of sickness. And the problem is, we get into that prison once again, and then they become hopeless. Because we're like, well, I know this is probably going to kill me, but I can't stop doing it. Because I don't have any way out. And we're all sitting here thinking to ourselves, well, duh, there's God, there's Jesus. But just telling somebody that there's Jesus doesn't solve that for them. They're living in darkness. And they may see a tiny flicker of the light in you, which is Christ. But it's not enough to just give them that one little flicker of light because they don't know how to run to it. They may even be aware and say, yeah, but that's not for me, though. That's for everybody else, but I'm just, I'm just stuck in this place. So there's this sickness. And when, it, when this word fool, right in verse 17, he says, uh, some become fools through their rebellious ways. It's, it's, really, he's really, ref, it's re, really referring to... Uh, the, moral, the morally deficient, their morals are, they've been in sin for so long, it's becoming, it's affecting them physically and mentally, and, and their morals are gone. Whatever what morals there may have been, they're just gone. That's a hopeless place to be. And then finally in verse 23, uh, I'm going to come back through some of this here in just a moment. In verse 23, there's, there's overwhelming circumstances or storms of life. And I would, just, I would just submit to you that just about everybody in the world right at the moment is right here. Some have Christ and some don't. All right? And these are people who are trapped in sin because they are experiencing stresses due to life being overwhelming. Storms bigger than they are. And they don't know what to do, so they do whatever they can get their hands on 
to relieve the pressure, except for Jesus. They're not chasing Jesus. They're not looking, they're not talking to God about it. These are people, these are people, all these people are lost people. They're not saved. And the sad part is, is many Christians are living in these places too because they're forgetting about the faithfulness of God. They're not remembering or Satan is distracting from God and his faithfulness, God and his power and his strength, God and his promises, right? So if we're going to look at the crowds and have compassion like, like Jesus did and does, if we're going to be like him, then we need to be able to see these things in the lives of people because the reality is what we want, if we're going to be like Jesus, what we want is to look at the crowds, look at individuals in our lives, and see what God sees. And if we can never get past what we see, we will never make disciples. We're just going to be standing out in the harvest field not knowing what to do, and we're going to be yelling at God like this corn won't get in the basket. And I don't know why. Or these, this crop needs to shape up. They just need to act right. It's, it seems silly, but that's what we're doing, isn't it? If we're looking at the world and the people who are not acting like believers, especially, it, it's, it is totally wrong to expect people who are not saved to act like Christians. They never committed themselves to Christ. They don't read the Bible. They don't even uh, uh, acknowledge God's authority. So why would you expect them to act like Christians? The key is to show them a different way, to show them a genuine Jesus, so that they might say to themselves, you know what, maybe, maybe I can walk into the light. Maybe I can live a life that's different than what I'm living. Maybe I can escape or be rescued from the strongholds that are going on in my life that's keeping me, because it's not about coming to church at all. If you're going to make disciples and you're going to be harvest workers, the question is, do you really know Jesus? Come to the house. We're going to make some food and we're going to sit down and we're going to explain to you why we love Jesus. I want to explain to you what God has done for me. Right? So if we're going to do that, see, now, now we're talking about things like, okay, these are the sicknesses that need to be healed. The Christian and the, king, and the kingdom of God and Jesus, everything about who we are is about healing the sick. All of these people that are up on the board... If, if you or anyone else falls into these categories, and I think we all do from time to time, if people are living in these categories, they are, they are helpless and harassed by the sin in this world. Right? And that's what we read in Matthew. Jesus looked, on, looked at the crowds and had compassion on them because they were helpless and harassed. Now, you, you, don't, you don't have to look far in this world to see people acting wicked and ugly toward other people. And if the Christian doesn't look at that and look at people and see, here's some people who are helpless and harassed by the wickedness in this world, then we're missing it. And I'm like you guys. I'm fighting the emotions right now. But if we don't have compassion on even the most wicked of the, of the wicked for the sake of Christ, 
for the sake of their soul, then we're not being like Jesus. If we're not looking at the one who's causing the most trouble in the world, and we don't say to ourselves, that guy or that guy or that girl right there, they are helpless and they're being harassed by Satan and everything he's about. And if we don't go to God on behalf of that person's soul, then we're not being like Jesus. We're not having compassion. It's hard, isn't it? Because now you're talking about praying about praying for people that hate you, don't like you. We'll talk about you in a minute. Maybe it's a family member, <laughs> you know? Maybe it's just people that you've been praying for for a long time and you just don't understand why they're not coming to the Lord. And I'm just saying, maybe, maybe right here in this Psalm 107 is some answers for that. It's because they're being harassed and they're helpless. Maybe they can't do it by themselves. Maybe they just need somebody to walk with them as long as it takes for them to say, you know what? That is light, and I can be in that light. Here's some good news. <laughs> if we look at, if we look at uh, verse 6, right and we look at what we the terrible news see every section in 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 psalm in this in this psalm all four different sections is the description of the people who are lost in sin or the people who are struggling with sin so we go to verse eight verse six was about uh uh, the ones who are wandering around aimlessly with no help no no direction without god look what it says Verse 6 says, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. None none of these, you'll you'll read through the whole thing, and you'll find out none of these areas God left people to to themselves. In fact, verse 13 says about the prisoners, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of the darkness and and the deepest gloom and broke away their chains. The deepest gloom. That doesn't matter how far gone somebody is, as long as there's breath in their lungs, God can save them. The problem is, is they don't understand that. They don't see that. They cannot believe that. I don't know how many people have told me they want to come to church, they want to know Jesus, but they don't believe God will forgive what they've done. It's sad to live that way. It's, it's really sad to really want to be saved, but believe that God, you've done something so terrible that God won't forgive you. And I, here's, what I, here's what I know. There's no person on the face of this planet that's so special or so wicked that God would make himself a liar. Jesus died for everybody. He died for every man, woman, and child that has ever existed and will ever exist. So that God can offer his grace and forgiveness to each one, should they choose to receive it. That's the gospel message. And let me tell you something. These are not, these are kind of troubling times. And if there's ever a time to be about the Lord's business, it's now. Wouldn't you all agree with that? People are dying every day and going to hell. Every, probably somebody died before we even started church this morning and didn't find themselves in the presence of the Lord. The harvest field is on fire and the Lord wants us to get it, get the harvest in. 
If you look at, the, if you look at what, what he said about the sick, verse 19 says, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. Right? He, he cried out to the Lord. He says, they got to the, basically, all these people are getting to the end of themselves. That's what happened to me, by the way. I had a plan for every letter of the alphabet for my life. He didn't even let me make it to Z. I got fed up with it somewhere around about Q or something. And it finally said, you know what? Apparently, I'm not good at leading my own life. <laughs> so I need some help. I need help. Why don't I just go with God's plan? Because he seems to be perfect, right? <laughs> Why don't I go with his plan? And if I'd have never made that decision, who knows where I'd be, if I'd even be still around. It says they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. And then again in verse 28, he said, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. I wonder how many people are in the world right now crying out to the Lord. And God is expecting the harvesters to show up and hear that cry. Expecting the people of God to be out in the world and say, Hey, I hear you. I see that you're in trouble. Let's spend some time together. Because I was in trouble too. And I know how it feels. Let's pray together. Let's talk about God. And do some encouraging about getting away from the things that are causing distress in our lives like living without God. That's what disciple-making is about, right? And I think, I think many churches and many believers around the world, many preachers, elders, you name it, we're all like, what are we going to do? There's a pandemic going on. What should we do? And God is like, uh, excuse me, I already told you what to do. Go out in the world and make disciples. See the crowds and have compassion. Because... They're being harassed and they're helpless. And by the way, there's not many of you doing it, so pray and ask God for more help. That's, that's Jesus saying, pray for people to be saved so they can join the team and harvest. Isn't that great? My dad had eight kids. One more and we'd have had a baseball team. There wasn't, there wasn't really ever a time when there wasn't hands, on, hands around to get stuff done if Dad wanted it done, right? The more people in the family, the more work we can do. The more people that come into the church and join the work that we're doing, the more disciples we're going to make, the more people are going to be saved. And if the world never gets any better, if it gets worse, as the Bible predicts that it will, we can stand before the Lord and say, we worked as hard as we could. We loved as many as we could. And with your help, some got saved. Isn't that great? That's what we're after. That's what we're here to do. That's what it's about. Now is not the time to shrink back. The heat got turned up in the world, in case you didn't notice. It's always been bad, but for some reason, in our world, around us, the heat got turned up. Now's not the time to shrink back. Now's not the time to fade away. Now's not the time to slack off on your commitment. Now's not the time to begin bickering with one another. Now's not the time to be hating those who hate you. 
Now is not the time to fail God. Because we have everything we need to be successful and faithful to God. We have it all. Maybe the world is going to fade away. Maybe the world is going to explode. Maybe the way we live and our, and our comforts are going to go away permanently. Doesn't change the kingdom of God. Doesn't change our role in the kingdom of God. Doesn't change the assignment that we have. It just means that we're living in a different way. And we have to still look at the crowds and have compassion. Because I can tell you this. I can't imagine if God looked at me and did not have compassion. There was a whole lot of darkness that I created for myself. And then Jesus had compassion. There's no way in the world, based on my personal resume and choices, that I should be standing here preaching any part of God's gospel except for Jesus and his compassion except for the forgiveness that comes with what Jesus did on the cross because I'm one of all I don't have to get left out of God's grace every single one of us every single one of you every single one of you on the internet Jesus died for you. He was, born in, he was born in the flesh. He died on the cross. He was resurrected for you. And it's all because God loves you. Look what it says in verse 8, and then I'll finish up. 107, 107 verse 8, it says, Let, this is the result. After they cried out to God, it says they cried out to God and God rescued them every time. All four, all four examples. And then in verse 8, it says, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. And his wonderful deeds for men. Y'all missed a great opportunity right there. Anytime, anytime I do a dramatic pause, it's because there's something to shout about. I'll say it again. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. Unfailing love. No matter what happens, God is faithful. No matter how many times I fail, God is faithful. No matter how many times I do it wrong, God is faithful. No matter how many times I quit, God is faithful. No matter how many times a person that's not saved rejects him, God is faithful. And God chases us down until the day we leave this world. The believers are to be a part of that. We're to be the hands and feet of Jesus and having compassion on the harassed and the helpless. Now, we might be the believers. We, we're living in a world full of sin, too, and we might have some struggles and some suffering going on, but it's nothing compared to the person who's lost in their sin. Imagine the people that are lost and they don't have God and they're living through the same things that we're living through today, and they have no hope because they haven't received the hope that's offered to them all four times 
It says, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. Says it again. Let them give, verse 21, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Then it says it again in 31. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. When we act like we've been saved from something, people's notice and they say, what in the world's going on with you? And you tell them and they're like, oh, I want some of that. And guess what? You get an opportunity to share the gospel in some form or fashion. You get to tell them about what God has done for you. And before you know it, you're harvesting. Before you know it, you're, you're working in the harvest field and you're being faithful. And when the harvest is done and God says, let's all go home, those who are working hard and those who are being faithful and those who are being led by God, those who are actually harvesting souls will stand before God and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And you will have a place at his table, along with all the ones that you witnessed to and you were a part of. I wonder sometimes if, if, if we'll ever meet some of the people that we might have influenced for Christ throughout our life. When we get there, when it's all over. I wonder if we'll ever look at each other and just kind of grin, knowing that we've all been a part of the greatest thing ever existed totally worn out spiritually, totally worn out from the battles that come with being a believer, totally worn out from the things that God allowed us to be part of for the sake of someone else's soul. Why would God allow us to suffer? Why would God say, look, I'm, I'm going I'm to offer you Jesus. I'm going to offer you grace and forgiveness so that you can be with me forever and then just leave us in this world that's full of sin? to deal with all the nonsense that goes on that comes from sin. Why would he do that? Because there's other people just like me and you that still need to be saved. And, and it's a battle, isn't it? I wish the Lord would just come back. But I want him to wait. Because there's people that aren't saved. Jesus comes back right now, there's going to be a lot of people that will not be with God. And I, I understand there's restrictions out there. There's all kind of people do there's all kind of people trying to tell us what we can and can't do. And what, what I know is God told us to make disciples, so no person is going to tell me not to do that. Maybe I have to follow some other rules, but I'm not going to stop making disciples. Right? So let's ask God how to make disciples, how to, make, how to harvest in the middle of it, and ask God to get others to join us. That's all it's about. It's not about church. It's about making disciples. I love you, and the Lord loves you. If you're listening to me, if you're here, or if you're online, and you don't know the Lord, and you've, one of those categories described you, and you, you want to change, you need to come see me. The Bible tells us just to repent. That means stop living that way. Make up your mind that I don't want to be this way anymore. And then cry out to the Lord. There's evidence all over Scripture when people cry out to the Lord, He answers. If you cry out to the Lord in your sin and you say, I want Jesus. Right? The Bible tells us to be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. That's it. After that, you get the gift of the Holy Spirit, which changes everything. The Spirit of God changes everything. 
The Spirit of God will lead you and guide you and help you grow and help you be stronger and take you away from the darkness and, and the sickness and all of the things, the, the, the wandering. The Spirit of God will take you closer and closer to God every day. Next thing you know, you'll be harvesting. And you'll look around, it's like, I don't even remember when I started harvesting. I just followed God. It's not going to be easy. It's a hard job. But it's worth it. It's what Jesus died for. Y'all ready to sing? We're going to sing a song together. Then I'm going to have, then Frank's going to say a few things, and then we're going to sing a song before we leave this time, right? (laughs) And then I'll have prayer. Ready? Let's sing together. Let's stand together and sing our invitation.